0: Hey everybody, welcome on back. I thank you very much for tuning in. I am Ted King, your host as always here on King of the Ride podcast and you're in store for a really good one today. Our guest, David Swain. Now perhaps not a name on the tip of your tongue from the cycling world, but David and I, we first met on the bike out in California and he has, let's call it a distinguished resume that I'm going to boast here for him. Think back to the year 2008 as it relates to Facebook in particular. Now, Facebook at that point is still a relatively young upstart, and a young David Swain took the role as Director of Technology Communications. Five successful years later, he became the Head of Communications at Instagram. Maybe you've heard of these two companies. Another little tech upstart, he's also joined the Board of Advisors at Strava, probably in part due to his fondness for the bike anyway. This podcast has been in my possession for a little while now, and I'm proud to bring it online here and now to you. David was actually out visiting New England just this past fall, and I told him to make a trip to the untapped headquarters here in Vermont. I showed him the Cochrane ski area, the making of all things maple, we actually traded podcasts, so to speak, so please check out his show, commonthreadsmedia.com. I've been a guest there. He's also had the likes of Kate Courtney, Gary Fisher, and plenty of very important VPs with some serious cred in Silicon Valley. So I thank you very much, David, for making the trip, for taking the time and humoring me with my questions about the overlap of cycling world and the tech world. On that note, thanks go out also to Strava for helping bring this episode to you. Now we are just a few days into the new year, so it's a great time to visit 2018.strava.com 2018.strava.com to create and watch your personalized video of your 2000 year in sports assess your year in sports and your year on strava in general then let it soak in start using strava even more now in this new year 2019 basic strava is free to use whenever you go out for a workout but let's talk about those summit features for just a second using their training plans, filtered leaderboards, delving into pace analysis, live data. These are all especially beneficial. There are Summit perks. That is, discount from brands and particular products for Summit members, personalized heat maps. That is definitely my favorite aspect and something I find really fun to explore. Listeners of King of the Ride have this limited chance offer. Take a try of these Summit features. Use it for a free month. Visit strava.com slash summit and enter the code king all lowercase k-i-n-g at checkout and lastly a quick note to say the reviews that you are all leaving are incredibly beneficial in helping to spread the word of king of the ride podcast it takes just a second leave a review in itunes stitcher google play whatever app you're using truly even just hitting subscribe helps us reach more listeners so thank you all for doing that that is it for me, folks. Thank you all for listening. And now let's jump into the show. So here in the King of the Ride podcast, we we speak to all sorts of people who have the thread going through their lives of the bicycle, which is no different than our guest today, David Swain, who, if you follow the cycling world, your name might not pop up first and foremost, but you've been riding a bike for your entire life. Let's tell let's tell a story over the course of today's conversation. Uh, David, to begin, tell me about your introduction to the bike. I believe it was uh, BMX related, the Matt Hoffmans
1: and so forth. It was. What do you got for All me? All right. Thank you. Um, so my love of the bike started a little bit even pre-BMX. My parents got me this, I don't know what it was. It was a a blue banana seat bike, and I was trying to teach myself how to do wheelies, and there was one tree in the yard that my dad had backed into, so the tree was bent sideways, and if you rode up the tree, you could go back. And that was the introduction to a fakie. Oh my gosh. As a kid. And I remember when I was in third or fourth grade, a girl who I liked was riding by and I was gonna show off and show her that I could do a wheelie. And I did the wheelie and I landed flat on my back, knocked my air out, and just laid there until she was long gone. Uh-huh. That's where my yeah, but
0: <laughs> so chasing babies yeah. right from the beginning,
1: <laughs> no. brilliance. Yeah, but no, my first bike was a uh, a 1989 Redline RL20B, and my cousin got really into freestyle BMX, like flatland and um, building quarter pipes, and they were always a couple of years older, so I got to watch and see that scene develop, and totally fell in love in it, even the, in love with it, even though I. Uh, didn't necessarily have the skills, but it was it was a community. I mean, it was like all of the friends. That's what we did. We'd meet up and ride bikes. Nice.
0: Yep, cycling is most certainly that. And this is um, Rochester, New York. Is
1: that right? Yeah, a little town called Scottsville, New York. Nice.
0: Then we were chatting earlier, and you said you know maybe it's chasing those cousins around. You were you were building some big launch venues into uh, into lakes and ponds, same
1: concept, same BMX? Everything was the same. Yeah, we had a – it was the same as it is today. I mean, there was like before like the pre, pre-made, pre um, you know, terrain parks and all the things, but we had built them out of wood, and uh, you'd always build them to go a little bit bigger. And um, that was also pre-safety, so there was a lot of um, broken bones, usually by me, and we definitely, this is at my uncle's farm. Um, this is where we're getting a little bit older to get the excitement going. We'd build a launch ramp, drag it down the hill, put it next to a lake, get as, get as much plywood as we could to get enough speed. And then take my cousin's like little, I don't know, like a 14-inch BMX bike, put some pads on the handlebars so we don't kill ourselves, and, and go launch Lake, lake jumping. <laughs>
0: <laughs> With pads, which is smart. Yeah. Um, yeah, presumably you end up injuring parts of your body that's not covered in the pads, but that's, that's part right. of the adventure. Um, yeah. Okay, and then fast forward. Oh, as we tell the story, let's fast forward a whole bunch of decades. You and I met at Campo Velo 2017. Yep. Did we meet last year?
1: Yeah, last year, 2017.
0: Um, at which point you are the director of communications at Instagram. Instagram. Um, how much time do you spend at Instagram?
1: I was at Instagram for, uh, close to five years. Uh-huh. Yeah. So and- I came over right after, um, Facebook acquired them and it was a passionate group of about 20 employees at the time. And, um, I had the opportunity to go over and, uh, you know, really just be part of the team. There was very few. They had a, a great community team that did editorial and um, Kevin and Mike, the founders, and um, the enge- early engineers, and, and everything had to be set from there. That's
0: wild. So you, I mean, yeah, you're you're one of the originals at Instagram, having, when they're acquired by Facebook, made the transition from Facebook over to Insta. Um is that thought out? Is that coming from Instagram? Is that Facebook trying to, to, you know, force the agenda?
1: How does that work? Facebook on Instagram
0: going from, yeah. yeah, Moving from Facebook to Instagram.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, Facebook, this is one, you know, one of the things that, that the company was really good at was identifying what people's strengths were and helping you nurture them and, you know, see where your career wanted to go. And, um, when Instagram came on, um, you know, I met with Kevin, the founder, and um, we got along well. And it just, you know, it's they had built something really special. It was only 18 months old, but it was super clear to me at the time uh, just how special what they built was. And for me, it was just an opportunity to be part of something at that stage and that's really what I, like when I joined Facebook in 2008, uh, it was similar in that Facebook was still kind of figuring itself out. It figured out, you know, it was already 400 employees, but, um, being able to be part of that early stage of a company and see those decisions getting made and, and hopefully help. Um, that was, that was exciting. So getting to do that at Instagram was definitely, you know, you look back on it, it was definitely a chance of a lifetime. Yeah. And you've,
0: Walked with and worked with a handful of companies. Strava included your involvement Strava on their advisory board. Um I mean, take me through that. Is that uh the threat of the bicycle brought you there or, or you know, what's your role? It
1: did, and I think for me it was a threat of a bicycle, but also just the threat of um being interested in the outdoors and uh just the kind of the athletic experience. I've always, you know, I've been in the tech world, but my personal passion has always been just things that get people outside and whether that's biking or running, um, or skiing or paddle boarding or surfing, whatever I can do that can skip me from one injury to the next. (laughs) (laughs) And cycling luckily is one of the ones that I know I'll be able to do longer into my lifetime, which is a, uh, you know, uh, really good. So, yeah. So Strava, I got introduced to, um, Mark Ganey, who was, um, their co-founder with Michael Horvath and we, you know, hit it off and was really impressed with what they were doing. And similar to Instagram, they were building a community. It's just around sports. So. Um, and what was your,
0: what was your time with Strava? Is that, uh, also in the relatively early advent of,
1: of Strava coming out or? It was farther along, so I probably joined, um, just started helping them out uh, three years ago, mm-hmm. roughly. So they were farther along in their in their path. Sure. Yeah.
0: How are you steering them right now? What are you advising
1: them on? Oh no, they they advised me. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, oh, so James Corals, who came on recently as their new CEO, worked with me at Instagram actually. Ah, so that's right. Um, and you know it's exciting watching watching their rise. I mean, any tech company, you go through the, you know, which countries are taking off and which places and, um, and which sports and, you know, for Instagram, we were looking at which categories, right? Like sports or music or, um,
0: and yeah, where is that decision coming from? Like in in the early days of, of Instagram, for example, Picking which which avenues they want to go down, like you were saying, whether it is music, whether it's entertainment or sports or whatever it is, is that like whose decision is dictating that? Um, I mean, it's such a, you know, the tie to cycling is really interesting. Like, these are your ambassadors. Uh, Right. Is that a communications thing? Is that top down? Is that the the end user itself?
1: I think it's all driven from the end user. Uh So I think what we tried to be good at. Instagram was recognizing where the passion was in the community, whether it was early or advanced, like where there were people kind of coming out a lot of times, not the professional photographer or the, the, the biggest name musician um, or athlete, but like where there was like natural things happening. Um, And, you know, because Instagram is visual, like which of those things tell the best story visually and, um, where's the community most engaged? And then it's just a conversation within the company. So I would say, um, yeah, it's kind of bottoms up and top down at the same time. Yeah. Um, but deciding what to focus on is the hard part. I mean, you know, you're never doing, you're trying not to do too many of those things at the same time because you won't do any of them well. And that was, that came from Kevin and Mike, the founders mm-hmm. of like doing fewer things, um, doing them really well.
0: So, taking a large leap back in time, you've got Facebook segueing to Instagram with Strava thrown into the mix as well. Um, you are an athletic individual. We've spent a lot of time talking about that today in, in previous pre-recorded conversations. Skier, runner, cyclist, globe-trotting travel uh, traveler. You like go through the actual iterations. Where did you go to college, for example?
1: So I went to St. Lawrence University in uh, Northern New York, so not too far from where we're
0: mm-hmm.
1: where we're sitting. And um, I I went to a little public school in Scottsville, New York, and grew up playing soccer and um, racing go karts. That nice. my I came from a long line of car racers, nice. and so the first thing, and my you know my dad and his brothers were soccer players and. Car racers, so that's what we ended up doing, and uh, we threw some BMX biking and skateboarding and stuff in there. Um, but my love it's funny that the racing and skiing were the two things that I would say, like, I just gravitated to. Um, and skiing was something where it wasn't introduced to me from anyone, I just got on the slopes and like kind of found that sport to be the one that I enjoyed the most. Um, and yeah, and then biking stayed, the, stayed a thread through it all, especially as I got the injuries from skiing and sure. the doctors were like, you need to s- stop running and, um, yeah, brought it right back, got my first road bike.
0: Yeah. 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 Often the physical therapy is going to end up on two wheels. Um, your wife is quite the athlete as well. I think the two of you guys were big time skiers.
1: Yeah. The skiing, I'm sure that was probably on her bar, um, making sure that I was a skier. So um, that if without skiing, <laughs> yeah. we might not have, uh, and was, as a ski racer, they have the stories. She, you know, went to Carabassett Valley Academy in Maine. Um, and they, you know, they're real athletes, you know, like they're waking up at 6am and riding their old beat up mountain bikes in the snow and. Um, yeah, hanging out with that group definitely kind of brought it up a level. Sure. That'll
0: grizzly, yeah. out, gnarly out real quick. Um, I enjoyed hearing about your first and last bike ride together.
1: Oh, yeah. That was um, – there's actually there, – my experience riding my bike with my wife is not exceptional. So, okay. um, Other than the one. So we did our first century ride in Santa Fe, and um, we were 20 – three. And I surprised her with an engagement the night before the century ride. And, uh, that was the last time we did a century ride, but luckily we're still married. Oh, excellent. <laughs> but my first cy- cycling experience with her was driving cross country to California in 2000. And we decided to stop in Moab and I had my old, like 1994 mountain bikes on the roof and at the time the Slick Rock Trail was like the big thing and so we went and rode the Slick Rock Trail and she probably only spent eight hours on a mountain bike in her life (laughs) and I took her in the middle of the day with like a single bottle of water and it was June and probably 100 degrees and six miles in she got heat stroke and the 12 mile loop right and yeah yeah, so that was a uh, I got her out we had to walk though, and
0: uh, it's it's always good to bring like first so aid, much. <laughs> first responder experience out to bike rides. Um, yeah, that can take you a long way in life. World traveler, you guys uh, in this in this progression as we tell the story of your life, you what backpack around the world?
1: We did. We got a uh, you know after the tech industry in the early two thousands kind of collapsed and all of our friends dispersed and the the job scene was a little bit less exciting. We decided before we had kids to go travel and spent um, spent a few years eating peanut butter and jelly every day, saving our money to pay for the trip and put the backpacks on. And um, yeah, we started in New Zealand and Australia and then did Southeast Asia and a stop in Sri Lanka to really try to learn how to surf. And yeah, Perfect. it was a it was a good, it's a good trip, and you learn a lot about how much you don't need to have sure. fun.
0: Um, and how much of that was foreseen? I mean, obviously, you said you know you're going to plan a family later on. Did you know you're going to do
1: six months a year, three years? Was the was the length there? No, we had, it, we knew it was going to be less than a year. Um, at the, this was this was 2004, and. I don't know what the way the only way we could find to get an around the world ticket was to find this guy on Union Street in San Francisco who oh ran the Around the World Travel Company and we bought a ticket with our destinations planned. And so we knew where we were going to go and we knew we had to get back to a wedding in Maine the following November. And um that was about it. <laughs> and well yeah, played? Yes. It worked
0: out. <laughs> so Right, you you are segueing this backpacking trip yeah. to a wedding in Maine, to ultimately landing at, I mean, Silicon Valley in the the height of Silicon Valley uh, with the likes of Facebook, with presumably some other jobs in between. I'm assuming you didn't continue to backpack for the next four years. What's the segue to to land is uh, to land at Facebook? Let's just say.
1: It's interesting. Facebook was similar to Instagram early on. If you watch the, you know, you've talked about this with the being in the collegiate life, seeing the impact that Facebook had when it came on. I didn't see that, but I saw the, just the way that the early users were turning to it and in a way that you have never seen. I mean, before that, Um, In Silicon Valley, like all the sexy products to work on were all enterprise, like business applications, like Oracle and PeopleSoft. And there's this this world, IBM, like this world of enterprise technology. And um, I worked in that and it was fun and competitive and everything. But you knew that the next phase of technology was going to be like more consumer first. And Facebook, like you know, I made it sound more like I was watching for that. And I wasn't watching for that at all. I was, I noticed that something came along that like changed consumer behavior, um, in the same way that all great technology inventions had in the past. And people thought I was crazy to leave my job to go there. Um,
0: you were, you were doing PR and communications.
1: Yeah. For, for like, I worked with IBM and eBay and some, uh, clean tech companies. Uh And, um, yeah, I loved it. I had a great job. So, um, but yeah, Facebook came along and, uh, I interviewed and, um, I don't know if I did very well in the interview, but luckily they, they hired me and did well enough. It was
0: one first 400
1: for, yeah, it was probably like, yeah. In the first 400. Yeah. Um, March of 2008. And it was, uh, I mean, Facebook was con, it was like a trend every, when you're growing that fast, every you, it was like you could watch by the month the transition points for the company so yeah.
0: um,
1: the learning curve was super steep but luckily everyone else was going through it too we all had to figure it out at right. the same time learn on
0: the fly and it's yeah. just
1: it spawned such a,
0: a different landscape of what Silicon Valley is I mean like you said you know in the slightly previous generation it was a lot of business first companies and now it's uh, how would you describe it I mean like more more interesting, more dynamic, more consumer driven I suppose uh.
1: yeah, and I think I mean we're seeing now all the positives and challenges that come with it with something that is consumer first and mm-hmm. um, I think that's the the great part about what's happened is people have a voice that they didn't used to have, I mean it kind of started with blogging right, and then it came up through. Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everything else, where people can reach a mass audience with a message, um, and so that. But the 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 hard part of that is the trade-offs that come with kind of the openness that all of those things enable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's been the so watching it happen and you know and watching where we're at now. Um, well, yeah, not just watching it, but living it. Like that—that yeah. that is your life. For yeah, a great
0: period of your life
1: uh are you a gravel bike rider i am a i am i would not say i'm a yes i am a gra- i love yeah. gravel rides i would not say i'm like i haven't done any big races or anything sure yeah uh, yeah
0: I. i realized i was a really nerdy question when, yeah. once it came off my lips uh right do you ride your bike on gravel what do you think of gravel that sort of thing and i ask because much like you're saying it's it's the democratization of democratization of of bike riding it's it's meant for the people it's fun it's you know show up on whatever bike you want because that bike is fitting for the job at that time um and it's it's sort of end user driven as opposed to top down forced down forced out by the industry itself it's really cool now that the industry is accommodating it and allowing you know bigger clearances and more comfortable tires and wider tires and I don't mean to make this around bike riding, but... Uh, I like bike riding. Right? Let's talk, I mean, let's talk
1: gravel. All right. Sweet. So, so for me, getting into... Uh, I Like some of my best friends are road racers. They grew up racing bikes, and I was always super intimidated because I'd go on rides with them. And um, even when I trained a lot, I could just keep up on their training, on their like easy recovery days. And one of these friends... Does cyclocross cross in the fall like a lot of people? And so was over having beers one night on a Saturday, and the race was the next day. And I I had my old 1999 Iron Horse aluminum hardtail <laughs> mountain bike that I'd use for commuting. And he's like, "You should come out and ride." Huh. And I went the next day and finished probably like 45th out of 50 mm-hmm. in cycle cross. And but I loved it and the, it was the community and the fact that you could finish 45th and still be having fun and that you could see your progress. And, um, so the next year I raced and, um, did, 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 did better yeah, yeah. <laughs> and got myself a real bike. And that bike happens to obviously work on gravel. And then I spent a lot of time in Truckee, California, up near Lake Tahoe. So, that, you know, exploring the gravel roads out there, you can't get more freedom than that. Um, and, you know, I mean, you don't, it's not just, you don't see a single car, like you don't see a single person. Sure. And uh, yeah, that part has been great. So I look forward to it. It gets me busy every year and nice. keeps the old man weight off. I just turned 40, so I'm told I need to start riding, <laughs> putting, putting some more miles down. <laughs> Well, yeah, in a in a
0: previous, again, unrecorded conversation, I was talking about the acute, hyper-focused nature of the New England cyclocross scene, um, where, yeah, it's tough to show up at a race because I'm 12-year-old can already bunny hop barriers, and he's going to demolish you because he's making up three seconds there every time, every lap. It was by no means putting down the Bay Area cyclocross scene because I know I've attended races there. I've watched the... Uh, it uh, was the race that used to be in the park? The world single speed world cyclocross championships took place in uh, Golden Gate Golden Park. Golden Gate Park. Yeah. That was highly entertaining. A lot of debauchery ensuing. So yeah, great scene out there. It was a good mix of of everything that's
1: right about bike riding. Um, yeah. So, we have to bring some more. Gr- the the Bay Area's got to bring some gravel, and we've got all the got the fire roads. Bingo. Yeah. Oh yeah. You just gotta man. You got to compete
0: against a lot of pedestrians and equestrians who are not happy to see bicyclists. Whereas back here in New England, we got nothing but welcoming recreationalists. (laughs) So, um, how big is the cycling scene in Silicon Valley? Uh, Kevin, for example, of Instagram, founder of Instagram, bike rider.
1: Yeah, I would say it's, I think the cycling and endurance sports more broadly. is is pretty amazing and you find it in places where you don't expect to see it um you're not always talking about sports but that's kind of like where you find like a common bond with people you're working with and yeah kevin the founder of instagram um picked up cycling and you know if you follow him on strava you'll see he 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 picked it up for real and uh it's it's fun to see and we've you know. James Everingham, who was the head of en- engineering at Instagram, is a huge cycler. And, um, you'll see him out on gravel roads all over the place. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kevin Wheel, who was, I mean, just picking one company, so you could do this across the whole spectrum and you'd see um, Kevin Wheel, who was the head of product at uh, Instagram. Um, he's like a massive ultra marathoner. Hmm. And, uh, um, Create cyclists too so nice. yeah it's just one team but yeah you see it pretty pervasively sure um,
0: um so oh man what do we got um bringing you here to the sugar shack we're surrounded by cyclists and skiers everybody wants to ask you questions like facebook instagram strava Silicon Valley, you know, it's a foreign concept to us. When you are in Silicon Valley, when you're back home, when you're working, when you're surrounded by these people, what presumably you're not always talking about work. Or is it the same thing as like when you're in your cycling tribe and you're going to talk about all nerdy things with the, the surrounding cycling? Like, like what is the... Are you an anomaly when you're back there? Or are you totally the norm?
1: Oh, because of like sports and... No,
0: ask, I mean, you know, you you walk into this office and we accost you with a thousand questions about Instagram and Facebook. And it's, it's a foreign concept here because, you know, we're sort of we're producing sports nutrition and talking about sports. Go to Silicon Valley, where it is a pretty concentrated tech heavy community out there. Yeah. I realize there are other people who do other things and it's not like you are completely, completely saturated by tech nerds. Pardon me is it much like cycling though? If I'm surrounded by cyclists, yeah, we're going to talk about gear ratios and all sorts of other nerdy aspects of the sport. What, like, do you talk about all things under the sun? Are you the norm?
1: Are you, uh, I think that we're, I mean, it's, you know, like a, a serious cyclist is probably pretty serious about cycling and like probably occupies a big chunk of your brain. Even if you're not talking directly about cycling, you're talking about something related like the next trip or the, you know, and, um, we we were pretty obsessively focused about what we were building and what we were trying to get to and growing. The, you know, the biggest thing for us um, and for me was you're, most of us, which is fairly similar to, you know, professional sports, um, you're fairly young in Silicon Valley when you get put in a pretty big role. Um, and that's just common across the valley. It's not like unique to any one company. And, um, a lot of what you talk about is how you grow your teams and who you hire and, um, how you deal with the scale. So everyone wants to grow fast, right? Like everyone, everyone would want that. Um, but with growing fast comes just an intense responsibility to like perform well by your team and, meet your potential so yeah it was pretty I would say in that respect it was pretty type a like focused on what we were doing Mm um luckily like we got out and traveled and met you know different kind of leaders in the Instagram community and that always grounded you and brought you back to like why you were building it and the community around you but when you're back in the office you're pretty focused on getting it done sure (laughs) yeah well
0: and it's and it's interesting, you know, if you, if you join Facebook and your first 400, like that's still, that company is on an amazing trajectory and who would have guessed in 2008 where you're going to end up ultimately, but obviously on the path of success, you make the leap from Facebook to Instagram purely for, for Facebook to put their back and behind Instagram. That's like a sign of success. So given your role in communications, how much are you steering the ship or like you talked about, like don't fuck it up let yeah. the, let this ship sail in the direction it's meant to sail.
1: Yeah. I would say that the, the steering was any steering that I did or that like my peers did was responding to the natural momentum that the company had and trying to find ways to amplify it. Um, I mean director of communications yeah. you got you got a no, big story to tell. Yeah, and there's <laughs> but there's like big there's definitely big bets we make, um, about like a country to go into or like a new vertical to go after. Um, or, you know, I would say like Kevin and Mike as the founders. They had to make big bets all Mm -hmm. the time. I mean, the Instagram product is known for its simplicity, right? And that's like what brought people to it. Um, how do you maintain that simplicity as you continue to you know, bring video in. no one remembers, but like Instagram didn't have video and Mm -hmm. it was only square photos and going from square to non-square and And like those zoom in, they seem like little decisions, but those are big um, for a product that's built around simplicity. They're, Mm -hmm. they're big. So they had to make big bets all the time. And um, yeah, our job working with them is hopefully just to help.
0: Right. Uh, What is the failure rate that we don't see? Because, pr or communications has come in and done a magnificent job of sweeping it up and saying that mistake nope you're going to forget about that in a month anyway let's move forward and look at this yeah. cool new feature that we have
1: that's a good question oh man uh, i'm full yeah, that's
0: uh, i i ask the hard-hitting questions <laughs> here on king of the ride so failure rate
1: um and, and you know, I would qualified. say it's almost interesting to look across tech companies at that because there's companies who are shipping a whole bunch of product, like changes all the time that it's more like the venture venture capital where you get like one out of ten that, that go well. And um, in that case, like they, they're doing that deliberately, and they will get when they have that one hit, it will be huge. Um, and I would say, I mean, in some ways Facebook is more on that realm of like, try lots of things and, you know, go for the, I iterate fast and find the things that are taking off and, and latch onto them. Um, and that's, you're saying that's that's sort of a nature of Facebook being Facebook.
0: Like they have a thousand different products, whereas Instagram is again, based on Instagram's failure
1: rate is pretty low. And that wasn't like us. Do you know? Hopefully, <laughs> it wasn't me doing, um, you know, hiding the hiding the losses. But um, you, it, you did your job well. I, yeah. Hopefully, I, c- I could have if we needed to, but no, we didn't need to do that. But um, yeah, it, Instagram's hit rate was pretty good. I mean, if you look at like stories and, um, I think the good thing is. If you looked at those some of those products right after they launched a couple months later they could have been seen as um you know if you, as like not super successful but I think it's kind of sticking with it right like a video on Instagram is yep wildly successful now and So it's also
0: comical to me how how trivial something can be but it's how important it is like you're doing the, the stories and you have the freaking sunglasses on your face that are not actually on your head, but as you're recording, they're there. And it seems completely ridiculous and it's incredibly popular and people love it. And then, yeah, do it seasonally. And all these goofy features that maybe this is coming from the communications
1: office, maybe not, but. No, that's, that's, you folks that's are doing a great it right. product team. Um, yeah. And hiring people who are perceptive enough to see trends changing around you. Like we got to so, go with yeah. aviators.
0: <laughs> okay. So but, yeah. if I'm not letting the cat out of the bag, you are no longer an Instagram. Yeah. Um, what, how recently did you move on and what occupies your time these days?
1: I left the uh, last April after nine years um, oh, at the Facebook and Instagram. And um, I, I, Moved with my family to Moran, where you just you just left just us. just departed,
0: yeah. It's and a, this town's too big for the, too small yeah, for the two of us.
1: Kids were getting old and decided, or older, <laughs> decided it was uh, time to give some other stuff a shot. And spent the year kind of coming up with different company ideas and playing them off each other. Driving my wife nuts. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Was you know also talking about potentially going back into doing what I was doing before, and I've been sitting on an idea for the last five or six years, and in this world of sports and um, kind of the athletic experience, and uh, decided I just had to go for it. So I'm a few months into mapping out what that looks like, but luckily it's on an idea that I've been thinking about for long enough that I'm going through all the challenges of you know, starting a company, finding, I got to find some engineers, Yeah, engineers out there in the <laughs> cycling and running, give me a call. <laughs> oh,
0: if only those people existed. Yeah. Oh man. Um, what, okay. So coincidentally, when you reached out, it was, it was recently after I'd moved East, you were not quite up to my latest daily travels, So we were hoping to have a conversation in Marin, but lo and behold, I said, uh, David, I'm on the East Coast. This is going to be tough. And you said, well, I'm coming out uh, to New England anyway. So let's sit down and have a conversation. Are you traveling this particular trip? You're in New Hampshire, without giving too much detail. Um, on this trip, do you have your bicycle? I don't. Oh, goodness. Uh,
1: yeah, I know. And so I went for a long run yesterday. Well, long for me is, it was is like, you know, the eight to ten miles. And it was eight miles. And my knees start to hurt. If
0: you run for more than eight minutes, that's a long run in my book. Yeah,
1: so... Um, I did try to cram some rides in last week before, but I go, I'm very like, I'm like seasonal on my, uh, on my sports and. Okay. Well I, then, sorry, let me interrupt.
0: Fail. You're going into cyclocross season. I know, that I know cyclocross it's brutal. I need to. But I, you are a good husband and father. No, so good work. I
1: am. I need to, uh, I need to get, I was thinking about that. I need to invest in a travel box mm-hmm. for my bike.
0: We're surrounded by cardboard right now. There's plenty of great cardboard travel cases, none of which are in this room. What you just need to do is go for those hour and fifteen minute runs with approximately seventeen pound bag of bicycle shaped item it's on, on your shoulder. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you can mimic
1: to all do some the hill springs tomorrow.
0: Um, do you have any other exciting trips on the horizon? Bike trips on the horizon, or are you about to, to buckle down and and get after this new, not new idea? The uh the idea that's been percolating in per- your mind for a while. It's it's kind of buckle
1: down time. Yeah. I think I'll try to do some cyclocross cross this fall and ride my bike more, I hope. Mm-hmm. And uh I, I try to get out most days. And yeah, that's that will be uh That's goal time number to, get two. Back to work.
0: Build a product, goal one. Ride your bike more. Goal two. Yeah. Win a cyclocross national championship. Goal three. No. No. Not this time around.
1: <laughs> I wish. Fair. There, yeah, I'm aging. I got it. Well, we'll see what the. Uh, I think cyclocross goes with the. What's the age category? Uh, I think
0: you just aged up. So you're the youngin' in the 40 to 45s. Mm. Good. Perfect. Fast. Yeah.
1: The C's here I come. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. Well, shoot, you've made a concerted effort to make this drive over here. I really appreciate the time. Um, we were trading podcasts. So if you want to catch up a conversation with me, please head over to... The Common Threads.
1: The Common Threads podcast hosted by David Swain. Yeah. you can check out the site. It's (laughs) (laughs) commonthreadsmedia.com. Lovely.
0: Um, yeah, I've enjoyed perusing that over there, listening to some podcasts, um...
1: It's been fun. Thank you very much for making the time. Thank you, Ted. And you'll have to get back out for um, some California riding.
0: We are trying to keep all of our options open. Um, so if you have a guest bedroom, we're we're not in the business of declining those offers.
1: All right. We got that.
0: We'll have that covered. <laughs> Brilliant. David, thank you very much right. for the time. Thank you. Hey there, folks. Ted King chiming in here once again real quick. Thank you again very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with David Swain. Once again, also thanks go out to Strava for helping me present this episode for you. I can't stress it enough, the value of those Strava Summit features now that we are into 2019. Leaderboards, those are fun. Toying with live data is even better, but it's personalized heat maps. That is definitely my favorite of the Summit features. Check all of those things out. Plus, there are perks exactly like Summit Perks. Discount from brands and particular products to help you make yourself go further, faster, and better. Just visit strava.com slash summit. You'll get one month free of Summit features. Enter the code KING at the website, all lowercase K-I-N-G at checkout. And let 2019 be your best year yet. Thank you again for listening. I look forward to catching up again here soon.